I'm Michael Hill. I'm the director of worship experience here. And man, you guys are going for it. Can I just say how, um, first of all, thank you, worship team, for leading us in that. And uh, can I just say how awesome it is to be, to get to preach on the first Sunday of No Mask Sunday. So the last time that I, I know, right? The last time that I, uh, that I preached was um, Father's Day. And if you remember, that was the first day that we were back in the building. So I'm, there's a vibe. So the next time I get to preach, uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what the, what the, uh, what the first is going to be. So, um, well, uh, it's just so good to be here and um, honestly just to hear voices. And, it, and we, I can see you guys smiling right now back at me. That's so great. Well, if you uh, are with us for this first time, we've been in this series called Following Jesus, the Gospel of John. And we've been moving chapter by chapter through the entire um, uh, Gospel of John, and we'll continue to do that. Um, and of course, John's Gospel is just one of the perspectives of the life and ministry of, of Jesus. And for the sake of context with where we're at, right, because we've gone 14 whole chapters so far. So, um, you know, where we're at is Jesus just had the, the Last Supper with his disciples. Judas has gone out to betray him, which of course, you know, Jesus knows that he's going to do that. And um, Jesus is just moments away from uh, leaving and going out to be arrested and his death and his, uh, you know, his death on the cross. And he's giving the apostles this major download because he's going away and he wants them to know all the things that they're going to need to know, you know, to continue living in the now and the not yet of the, of the resurrection. And um, so it's four whole chapters. So all the way from chapter 14 through to the end of 17 are just the words of Jesus. And he's He's, you know, things are, are really getting real, and so he's like, here's everything you need to know. Which, by the way, if you ever um, are just like, man, I just need to hear the words of the Lord today, get your Bible app, listen to those four chapters, John 14 through 17, it's just the words of Jesus, and it will fill you up, and it will give you all that you need for that day to be a Jesus follower. Isn't that awesome? That's free, by the way. That's not actually part of the sermon. Um, <laughs> So last week, Pastor Danny uh, was preaching um, John 14, in which Jesus tells his disciples that, you know, if they love God, they're going to obey his, his command. In fact, in chapter 13, he called it his new command, um, you know, which he said that, you know, you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That was nothing new. But he said his new command was to love your neighbor as yourself. And, uh, you know, what's more, he says that the Father's going to be sending the Holy Spirit so he'll send the Holy Spirit who will teach us and, uh, and teach them and remind them and that they're not going to have to do that on their own. Like Danny just prayed when she called for offering today. Thank you, God, that we don't have to do this on our own because your Holy Spirit is with us. So that's all good news, right? But if I was one of the disciples and Jesus had said, all right, I'm going to tell you the, the new command. You ready for this? Love one another. I'd be like, seriously? Like that's Love one another? I can totally do that. That sounds so easy. I'm all in. Sign me up. I will love one another. And then honestly, I probably would have thought, like, really? That's all? Like, that love one another? How easy is that? It just seems like it would be an easy thing to do. Um, so for many years, I taught people how to play the guitar, right? And people would come to me, and they generally had this, this idea that it's going to be pretty easy, what? You put your hands on your instrument, someone shows you where to put your fingers, and you play, and it's going to be pretty easy, right? But um, uh, in fact, when my wife, Andrea, and I were first dating, 
She said, I just want to play the guitar. I've always wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And I'm like, you can totally do that. I could teach you how to do it. But you need to know that you're going to have to trim your fingernails on your fretting hand, your nice, beautiful manicure, which, by the way, that's not an actual picture of Andrea and her fingernails. That person will never be able to play the guitar because their fingernails are too long. That does not work. You can't squeeze the strings down if, if your nails are in the way. And so, you know, Andrea's like, ooh, I don't know. Do I really want to trim my nails? So finally, she decides, yes, I want to learn how to play guitar. I want to trim my nails. How hard could it be, right? So we start to work on guitar. She, she cuts her nails. We start to work on guitar. I start showing her chords and basic stuff, right? How long do you think that lasted? Ten minutes. <laughs> Within ten minutes, by the way, I asked her for permission to tell the story. Within ten minutes, she, she's like, this is, I remember she stopped and she went, this is hard. Like, almost like a little kid, you know? This is hard and it hurts. <laughs> you know, because... Uh, you know, when I hear Jesus say, here's what you need to know. Are you ready? Love others is better than yourself. When I hear that, I'm like, that sounds so easy and I will change my life for it. But obviously the real hard question is, how do we actually do that? Because ideologically, it sounds great and it sounds easy. But you guys know that when we are giving it a go and trying to love others as being greater than ourselves, it actually is really hard, and, and often it hurts, right? So this brings us to our text for today. How can we actually become who God wants us to be, who, who God created us to be? And our text this morning really gives us some you know, good news about God's plan to transform us into who he wants us to be. So turn with me in your Bibles to John 15, um, uh, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. And if you have the Pew Bibles here, it's on page 1081. Um, And as you open that up, will you just pray with me briefly as, uh, as we come to the word this morning? So Lord, may you speak to us through your word, and may you transform us with these words so that we are moving more and more to who you have called us to be and created us to be. We're trusting you for that transformation, God. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so John 15, uh, 1 through 5, here's our text. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. And neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Jesus is in the final moments of uh, his, his ministry with the disciples, and he's just about to go out to um, his arrest and his, uh, and his, his uh, crucifixion. And, um, you know, you really get the feeling that Jesus is, this is something he really intensely wants them to know. And, uh, you know, I imagine Jesus, like, when you read this passage, like, you know, when you talk to a kid and you get up really close to them, you're like, listen to me. Because the words he's using are so clear, 
And there's just no confusing what he's saying. In fact, it reminded me of this, this true story. Uh, when I was learning Greek in seminary, and our professor wanted us to, um, you know, to be encouraged when we take all these exams and quizzes, because it's really discouraging to take Greek in seminary. And so he would lob us this slow-pitch, easy, um, you know, uh, easy-to-translate passage so that we could just knock one out of the park and be really in, encouraged. Max Lee, Danny knows what I'm talking about. And uh, <laughs> Dr. Max. And, um, and this passage, John 15, 1 through 5, was on my Greek 2 final exam because it was so easy to translate, and you really understand that there's something important that Jesus is saying to them with this metaphor, this easy-to-understand metaphor of the vine and the branches. So let's start with the good news. Uh, We're going to start in the middle, because this is a good news passage. Let's start with verse 4. Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. Um, Like I said last week, Pastor Danny set up my sermon so nicely. Thank you, Pastor Danny. And uh, she taught from chapter 14 about how Jesus said that the Father was going to send the the Holy Spirit to them, right? That the advocate, the Holy Spirit. In fact, let's go back. So flip back one page to chapter 14, verse 26 and 20, excuse me, 27. And um, this is really important to to have in front of us as we move forward in John chapter 15, because Jesus had said, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So how are we effectively going to be God's people moving forward? We will have the Holy Spirit with us. And this is such good news because he's saying that we're not going to be left on our own and that the Holy Spirit is going to teach us and remind us what Jesus has commanded us, right? And that the Spirit will give us God's peace so that we don't have to be afraid anymore. And, you know, this isn't an unconditional gift. Like he said, I don't give as the world gives where you give and you take away. But the Holy Spirit will be with us and in us forever when we proclaim our faith in Christ Jesus. Can I get an amen in the house of so, um, but it gets even better. So let's switch back to chapter 15, verse 4. It gets even better. Because remember when Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. I was really trying to get my mind around um, uh, this word remain. Because he says it a lot. He says it a lot throughout this chapter. And that word remain, uh, the, the, the verb that it translates to remain is... Uh, is uh, grammatically speaking, sorry, I know this is kind of nerdy. So it's an active imperative in the aorist tense. Are there any grammar people in here at all? Three, yay, that's great. I picked know your audience, Michael. So <laughs> it's an, I'm not really into grammar either, but it's active imperis, uh, imperative, which means do this now, right? It's an imperative, do it, and, and do it now. But it's in the aorist tense, which means It describes something that happened once in the past, and it goes on indefinitely. It didn't happen once, and then it was like, it was gone. Remain. Jesus, when he comes to us in the presence of the Holy Spirit, he remains with us, and he stays forever. And that's in the grammar right there, right? So uh, when Jesus says that he's going to remain with us, we can know that Christ, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, is going to come to us once 
And then when we choose to let Jesus be our master, he's never not going to be available to us again, right? So we come and go from the Spirit all the time, right? We, we forget that God is even with us, and we go off and we do our thing. But what happens when we remember and we turn back? God is always there. God is always present. The Holy Spirit remains present to us, even when we're not faithful. So now, yeah, right? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And if there's an adjective that best describes this, I would have to say that the Holy Spirit remains faithful. We just sung about it. It means faithfully in us and with us. Have you ever had an experience of someone um, faithfully remaining with you uh, no matter what, even when you weren't, even when you didn't keep up your end of that relationship? So uh, I'm a little late to the party here, but last week, my daughter Katie and I finally watched Encanto, right? Yeah, wow. There was actually some cheers when I said that. Has anyone in here not seen Encanto? Raise your hand. Okay, just a few. Well, there are going to be some, I'm going to talk fast because there's going to be some kind of spoiler thing. So uh, plug your ears if you need to. But we finally saw Encanto, and if you haven't seen it, it's this fantasy story about La Familia Madrigal, right? They're this big family, and uh, everyone except for heroine, uh, 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 Mirabel, the heroine, everyone has received this special like gift or power or ability, um, you know, like there's, the, there's the, uh, the one little cousin can talk to the animals and... And, um, you know, they, she has the ant that can hear things. Everybody has, has, like, a special superpower kind of thing. But Mirabelle, for some reason, never got one. And uh, she starts asking around. You know, she's, she's doing some soul searching, like, well, I don't have a gift, and everybody else does. What is up with that? And she begins to ask about um, their uncle that she never knew, Uncle Bruno, right? And uh, which her parents all tell her. What do they tell her? We don't talk about. There is some... I knew someone would sing it. I thought it would probably be, we don't talk about Bruno, right? They say, we don't talk about Bruno, which when you tell a kid, we don't talk about that person, what are they going to do? Right, so she starts to snoop around and, uh, and, and find out, you know, what, what's going on with Bruno. And she comes to realize, she, she asks around and, and comes to realize that Bruno's secret power, special power, had been to predict the future. But when, you're, when you predict the future and you're a truth teller and you tell them that bad things are going to happen, nobody wants to hear that. And so they like vilified him. They, you know, ostracized the poor guy just because he's a truth teller because uh, they think that he's causing the bad things to happen. And so he, he leaves, right? And so they're like, man, he left. Well, throughout the course of the story, Mirabelle comes to discover that Uncle Bruno, who everyone had thought had totally bailed on the family, he's actually been living behind the walls of their house for 10 years. Right? So he's been there the whole time. And, you know, he explains to her that he had had this vision where he saw cracks in the family home. And nobody wanted to hear about that. But uh, he, uh, you know, he remained in the house because he's like, this is my family. This is my home. I can't leave when you guys need me the most. And so he stays behind the walls. And, and uh, Mirabelle realizes later on that, you know, she's going to be used as an agent of change for her family. And that Uncle Bruno has remained there to protect her and to ensure that God, that, that God, <laughs> well, you get where this is going, right? And ensure that, that she becomes an agent of change for her family. Does that not preach the gospel? That's, yeah, I mean, that's a, a perfect example of faithfulness. So what this verse says about Christ, that the Holy Spirit is willing to remain faithful to us no matter what. And what does this say about us? 
Jesus tells us, remain in me as I also remain in you. So let that just sink in for a second. Just as Jesus is faithful to remain in us, he calls us to remain equally as faithful in him. Whoa. Hmm. Well, in Judeo-Christian language, we call this a covenant relationship, right? We hear that word all the time, and it's pretty much the most important aspect of, of relationships in God's eyes. And, you know, a, a covenant is a, is a promise between, like in a marriage, if it's two people, or if, uh, if it's a coalition of, of people or groups, that um, it could be two or more. It's this promise to remain in the relationship even when it's really hard and it hurts, right? As best as we're able, all parties are called to equally remain in that relationship and, and, uh, and do that together. And as sidebar, so we're Marine Covenant Church, right? So if you've ever wondered what that word means, the Covenant Church is a coalition of North American churches that have just said, we promise to remain together even if things get a little wonky, even if we don't agree on every last little thing, we're going to stay in the relationship and we're going to work it out. Is that not awesome? Yeah. So we have the Holy Spirit who, um, who, by the way, is not just a helper. And when I see the word helper in, back in chapter 14, it almost sounds a little pejorative to me. Like, like it's a little, um, like a, on the cartoons, a little angel that would, you know, was your conscious that would tell you what, what not to do. But no, the Holy Spirit is every bit as much our God as the Father and the Son, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, as the tradition says, our triune God, our three-in-one God will faithfully remain with us in this relationship. So, obviously, the, the big question is, are we able to be faithful to remain in this covenant relationship with God? And we'll be coming back to that in a little bit. But for now, let's keep moving on with some good news. In uh, verse 4, Jesus says, <clears throat> I am the vine, you are the branches. Oh, excuse me, I read the wrong part. Uh, Jesus says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. So this is verse 4, right? The second half of verse 4. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So now we get to talk about bearing some fruit. So... How does a branch bear any fruit if it doesn't remain connected to the vine, right? So obviously, the branch has to be on the vine to work. Pretty obvious, right? Remember, Jesus was kind of being Captain Obvious with the disciples about all this. He's trying to make it super clear. Um, but the branch and the vine are in a covenant relationship, if you think about it. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're working together. And I also think it's worth noting that a branch right? Uh, the, the, the branch cannot bear fruit if it's detached from the vine, but the vine, the vine actually doesn't bear fruit. The vine bears branches that bear fruit, right? So the vine, without, without that branch, it doesn't bear fruit. So the vine and the branches are in a partnership relationship. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. Yeah, I'd never thought about that. Like, oh, well, obviously, you know, God, uh, you know, use me. And I feel like in this passage, uh, in the metaphor of the vine and the branches, I think God's like, no, I need, I need you to use you. Wow, that's, that's some life-changing stuff right there. So, and speaking of fruit, verse 2 says that every branch that does bear fruit, the gardener prunes so that it will bear more fruit, right? And man, I got it. So, 
I think Pastor Jeff will be wherever you are. You'll be proud of me. I, so we're not going to preach about the pruning today. That is a whole nother sermon's worth of, uh, of preaching on this passage. It's such, uh, um, in fact, we'll probably do that during Lent. But uh, we're not going to talk so much about the pruning, but God will prune us and we'll bear even more fruit. But you got to be bearing fruit to, to get to that stage, right? All right, so here's where it's really easy to get, get turned around, I think. Let me ask you this question. What is it that makes our godly fruit grow? Think about that for a sec. What produces God's fruit in us? And like I said, this is where it could get switched around because it's really easy for us to get caught up in thinking that it's our good behavior, our, our good deeds, our goodness, our spiritual disciplines like prayer and scripture and being a part of God's church and serving, it's easy to think that those are the things that are bearing fruit in us because those are the, I mean, they're great things, right? Um, they feel good to us. They're, they're, I mean, they're part of God's plan. So of course they're going to feel good to us, but they're not what bears the fruit in us because they can't be because all of these things can't cause us to bear fruit because they were designed to help us stay connected to the vine. You follow that? Like, it's easy to think that it's, it's my goodness that's making the fruit happen, but no, all of, all of these spiritual disciplines, they're all for the sake of keeping us connected to the source, the Holy Spirit that will bear fruit in us. Bearing fruit can't be any of those things. They're necessary things. <laughs> in fact, they are, they're essential to our walk with God. We, we have to do those. We need those things if we want to thrive and, and remain on the vine, but they're not what bears fruit in us. Only being connected to the vine, remaining connected to the Holy Spirit, that is the only thing that's going to bear fruit in us. Does that make sense? That's the part that I was really like, am I going to be able to say that in a way that makes sense? Does that make sense, Courtney? Oh, thank you. So look at these branches. And I love this image. Is that not abundant fruit? I just want to grab those grapes and just start munching down. Do these branches here, do they have to try hard to bear fruit? They're branches. Do they have to try hard? Do they have to work really hard to show the vine their devotion and their worth? What do these branches do to bear such beautiful, succulent fruit? What do they do? They don't do anything. They just do what they were created to do. They remain in the vine, and the vine gives them everything that they need to bear that beautiful fruit, right? They weren't created just to be empty branches. They were created to be branches that bear fruit. In fact, they were to bear much fruit, right? If we choose, this is really important, if we choose... uh, to continually remain connected to Christ. The vine and the Holy Spirit who lives in us and with us will produce fruit in us. And so what are the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, that's the, that's the big one that we often remember, right? Uh, the, the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit are um, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those are all fruits of the Spirit that when we're bearing those things, we can know that they come not from our spiritual disciplines, but they come from the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. So before we move on, I want to recap really fast because we've been covering a lot of territory here. Number one, this is good news for us. It is good news. 
that Christ will always remain in us and with us. Also, number two, he has invited us to remain faithfully in covenant relationship with him so that we, so that, right, whenever you read the Bible and it says so that, it's like, whoa, I need to pay attention, so that we can bear fruit of that relationship. In fact, in verse five, it says that, uh, if we keep reading, it says that not only will we bear fruit if we remain in him in covenant relationship, but we will bear, what does it say in verse five? Much fruit. We will bear much fruit. And then here to make a point, Jesus, you know, once again reiterates, and when Jesus says something twice and uses the exact same words, it's like, whoa, pay attention to that, right? Uh, He says, apart from me, hey, you guys, (laughs) apart from me, you can do nothing. I can see him with the disciples. We can do nothing. You got that second time around? So it's like the song that we often sing, I'm not enough, God, unless you meet me here in the middle. So how will we know that we're doing what God created us to do? We will, it says that we will bear much fruit. Not that we might, but we will bear much fruit. Now, so when Jesus says to his disciples, remain in me as I also remain in you, he's hoping that they're going to choose to remain in him. He doesn't make him do it, right? Jesus, our, our God who loves us so much that he would lay down his life for us, he doesn't want us to for, want to force us. He's our God. He doesn't want to force us to choose him because that wouldn't really be, be a choice at all, right? If you're forcing someone, you're not giving them a choice, and it's not love. But Jesus loves us enough, enough to let us choose what we're going to do. And Jesus invites us into this partnership with God that, you know, and all that God wants to accomplish with, with us where we choose to remain in Christ to the best of our ability, right? With all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the Holy Spirit's presence in us and with us will help us to remain in Christ. So God gives us a choice. We can either choose to remain in Christ or not. You know, and you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that we're not going to fail because obviously we're going to fail. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna fail a lot. <laughs> we are going to fail a lot. But praise be to God, his grace is going to be sufficient to cover our sin when we do sin and when, we, when that grieves us and we turn back to God. He's going to be here, be there for us in that. Um, but make no mistake, in this whole, I am the vine, my father's a gardener, uh, you are the branches metaphor, Jesus is telling us that if we choose not to remain in him, that is 100% our choice. But what happens to a branch that's not connected to the vine? It doesn't bear fruit. It doesn't do what it was created to do. And what happens if we, uh, if we don't bear fruit? If you look back at verse 2, what happens when we don't bear fruit? The gardener cuts off every branch that doesn't bear fruit. So I imagine Jesus being like, well, shoot. <laughs> I, can't use a, I can't use a branch that doesn't want to stay connected to the vine. But I love you and I'm going to let you choose. 
In fact, if we're reading down, if we keep reading down into verse 6, it says, If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And we're not useful in the kingdom of God if we're a detached, withered, fruitless branch that doesn't want to be there. Being cut off from the vine, it's not a, it's not a punishment. It's just God saying, I'm going to honor your choice because I love you. But the good news here is that when we choose to remain, when we choose, when we choose to remain in Christ as Christ is in us, we are promised God's presence and peace. And we're promised to bear much fruit. So here's how I think we choose to remain in Christ. Well, first, we need to, you know, make sure that we've already chosen to surrender ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus. And, you know, that we can just simply do by saying, you know, God, I, I surrender my life to you. I give you myself, my dreams. I give you the illusion of being in control. I just, I'm, I, I give you control. You, Jesus, be my master. And once we've made that decision, you know, God the Holy Spirit will come to us and make God's home in us, in and with us, indefinitely, right? Aorist tense it will remain with us. And from there, when we choose to remain in Christ, we're going to need to, right, we're going to need to enact a plan of how we're going to remain. I love the, uh, you know, the old, you should hear my, I say this to my family all the time, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, because I'm a planner. <laughs> That's just what I do. Um, so we need to exact uh, uh, a plan, you know, uh, enact one. So, um, so this is what we, when we enact a plan to remain in, in the vine, these are the spiritual disciplines that you hear us talking about all the time. And we're just going to hit the top three really fast. You know, there's the discipline of prayer. Find a regular time to get with God where there's no distractions and just talk to God. And if you don't know, if you're like, oh, I never know what to pray, just be honest about what you're What's going on in you? Just talk to God. It's discipline of prayer. You might be surprised how God meets you in that. Then there's the discipline of the word. And man, we cannot be God's people if we're not going to be people of the word. Why? Because there's this whole narrative of the story of God that we need to know and absorb and, uh, and have that in us. And the Holy Spirit, reveal, God reveals himself to us through the word. So when we remain in the word, we're actually having God reveal God's own self to us. So the word is, is key. And then also there's the discipline of um, remaining in community with other Jesus followers and developing a lifestyle of being God's people together. And that's what we're doing right now. This is, this is what we do when we gather. So, you know, staying connected to the vine is, uh, to the vine is what these spiritual disciplines are all about. And when we enact a plan to remain connected in the vine, Christ remains with us in the indwelling Holy Spirit. And that is what causes us to bear fruit, the remaining of the Holy Spirit. So I want to make sure that's loud and clear that it's not our disciplines that do it. It's the Holy Spirit that bears fruit in us, right? Well, as this is all settling in with us, I wanted to make sure um, that we gave us some time to, uh, to bring this to the Lord and, and talk about it as we worship together. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come out, and we're going to spend the next several minutes um, worshiping together. And in light of what we've been talking about here, I would urge you 
to use this time of worship to be specific with God about your choice to remain, remain in Christ. And maybe a couple ideas of maybe what you could say to God. Just tell God as we sing and as we worship that we want, we want to remain in him. Right? Sometimes in a loving relationship, all it takes is to say, I want to stay with you. I want to be with you. I choose you. So tell God that you want to remain. And maybe, maybe you're ready to tell God, God, I'm ready to go to the next level in this whole partnership thing, in this whole covenant relationship thing. Is there something that you might be calling me to in that? And, and, uh, and then also you might be like, man, God, I know that I want, I want, to, want to choose you. But if I'm being honest, I don't know if I don't really want to. And just confess that to God and say, God, transform me as we worship together. So, as we take all this to worship, will you stand with us as you're able? And, uh, and let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you for this time together in your word. And we hear you calling us deeper deeper still in the covenant relationship with you. Jesus, as we sing your praises, we are choosing you, Lord. We choose for you to be our master, and we're choosing to remain in you as you are faithful to remain in us. And now, Holy Spirit, bear your fruit in us, as is our calling and our destiny, as we worship you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Amen.